the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Greetings, people, from uh, the Florida Keys. This is Jim, the Keys bartender, coming to you from a place that's normally hot and sweltering. Now it's kind of cool uh, in temperature-wise. I don't know how cool the Keys are. Uh, I can get people get passed off saying they're they're relaxed, but I've never heard them called cool. You know, I mean, either temperature-wise or you know, we're just kind of like. I don't know. I don't. It's relaxed, cool. I mean, that just could be from being anesthetized to drinking and pot and all that stuff. So, we. I guess we could be cool. You know, we're not cool like someone from the uh, big city. And I do miss the big city sometimes when it comes to selection and stuff like that. It is beautiful down here, uh, even even now. Uh, the sun's out. Uh, it's beautiful. There's a lot of good fishing going on. We're open for business, even in the midst of this uh, epidemic, epidemic and epidemic. What's an epidemic? I guess that's uh, an epidemic of opium. But this is the epidemic COVID-19. So, uh, I'm. I think most of my listeners are the belief in science first, right? We. Uh, believe in scientists and epidemiologists and it's just raging here through the United States um, I overhear people that aren't that weren't necessarily big believers in uh, the harm that COVID-19 was causing here in the U.S. and the devastation but now I, I I've overheard healthcare professionals that um, they were they were saying it's getting a little tough it's getting a little crowded now the people that um, we don't hear, I don't hear a lot from the other ones because the people that believe it's really serious because um, they're following protocols. Because a lot of times the people who work in ICUs and things like that, they're not out doing stuff. They're not out going to bars and things like that. They're, they're in contact with people uh, who are sick. But uh, they, I didn't want to start out with this, actually. I want to talk about, you know, the Florida Keys are open. If you do come down here, Monroe County, at the moment, still has a mask mandate when you go into businesses indoors. There are people that come in without it. I understand. uh, What I understand is they don't believe that it's an issue. And if they're not sick, other people aren't sick, and they're... I mean, I guess they haven't been touched by it yet. and But there's been a lot of people touched uh, by it because I've noticed that among the people that live down here, they're, when they do go out, they eat outside. And there's other people, you know, obviously if you spend a lot of time, you know, if you spend hours and hours drinking, obviously you have some kind of, uh, and you do that on a regular basis, I hate to say this because I'm a bartender, but uh, 
you already have given a tilt of your hand, meaning that we can guess that you're not that concerned for your health because you'd be concerned for your liver if you if you drank every day. And I apologize for that feeling, uh, but uh, I I don't want I don't want anybody to get it. There, you know there's such a thing as too much of a good thing. I. Just because I don't drink now, I don't think other people shouldn't drink. I just want to reiterate that. But, you know, the great thing about COVID-19 and all this stuff, right before, about two months before the outbreak of the epidemic in the United States, we had purchased, my family, a, a new smart TV. And we, we just, with an exception with, uh, when we had a flat screen before but you know it's hard to get rid of a working TV and get a new one when the other one's perfectly fine but we ended up getting a new one and I was I gave away the old one to someone that was moving and you know because of the lockdown in what was it March we uh, were able we were exposed to a lot of different shows and things like that, the wife and I. And the wife's not a big TV person. She does go on YouTube. She likes to watch music videos from the 80s and 90s and things like that. And uh, we can watch Polish programming. Uh, you can watch a lot of streaming things that come out on Netflix. It's uh, international. And you see shows that we normally wouldn't have seen before. And just in the nick of time because we need to occupy ourselves. So we did that. But last night, the wife and I sat down and I read in a lot of my news feeds about a, a movie by Ron Howard called uh, Hillbilly Elegy. The Hillbilly Elegy, I think the title is. Uh, I forgot. The, I mean, it's either Hillbilly Elegy or The Hillbilly Elegy, but it's by Ron Howard. And uh, Glenn Close is in it, Amy Adams, uh, a couple other people you might recognize, but it's mainly a lot. Of, but it was it was well done. It was about a family, a story of a family, mainly centering on the young man who grew uh, who grew up uh, in southern Ohio, and his family's from Kentucky, hence the hillbilly thing. And it's based on a, a story. It's based on his family, so it's based on a true story or it's it's adapted from a novel and they at the end of it it was amazing because uh, Glenn Close played this uh, woman she was she a heavy smoking Appalachian character in her 70s and when they showed the lady at the end of the movie she looked surprisingly just like uh, the woman so I think there could be a possibility she could be nominated for Academy Award, uh, even though net it's amazing Netflix because there's no there's hardly any big theatrical releases anymore. Now Netflix has a shot at a lot more uh, nominations and things like that. But in the movie, there was we're watching it and stuff like that, and Abby catches the name of the main characters girlfriend he's in law school at the time his girlfriend's a, an Indian American uh, Asian Indian Southwest Asia Indian and her name is Usha U-S-H-A and every time he heard the, she heard the name Abby heard the name she laughed and I just said why does it mean something different in Polish no she gives just a funny name and she started laughing and I go well 
um, I guess, you know, I, I've been exposed to a lot of different names from India, China, Korea, Vietnam, uh, South America. I, I didn't think it was funny. But then I had to point out to her, I said, honey, your name to some people is unique and funny. Agnieszka, I mean, you got a couple, you know, consonants stuck together that, you know, people aren't used to seeing in the English language. And I and she goes, oh, well, I said, honey, when I call the airport to get a flight for us to Poland and I have to call, tell the name of the airport, it's Jeshoff, and they can't find it because they're looking for a J or an S or a C and an H. And then I have to point out that Jeshoff is spelled R-Z-S in the beginning. And they call it Rezakow. You know, when they say, you mean Rezakow? I mean, but... The way they pronounce it is Jeshoff. And their home, her ha- hometown has an S, a D, a Z, and uh, an E in the beginning. And they call it San, San Jeshu. It's not spelled anything like it sounds. But, I mean, I used to do, like it sounds, I used to do uh, a whole bit when people, you know, do these things. My name's Carol with a K or... Um, you know, Jason with an X in the middle, Jackson, or whatever. And I said, you know, I have to remind you, hon, that, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to people and trying to get, you know, anything, trying to tell them where I am to a person that's not of Polish origin, they would find it funny. So I I always thought that was interesting. When someone had a, you're from a different culture, why would they think, why would they consider another name funny sounding when you use a foreign culture it's just different meaning obviously my name Jim uh, I'm sure there's a language where it means something like shit or uh, eye boogers or anything it, it could mean anything Jim and it's a Jim what you know like that what kind of name I mean why would you why would you point that out it's a name it's a different language why would they conform to the general forms that we have with our names? Lisa, Mary, Bob, Tony. Doesn't mean anything in Chinese. Or India. Or Tibet. Or Bhutan. Or Russia. I was trying to find one time I uh, was talking to my mother-in-law. Or actually, I was talking to my Abby, my wife talking to my mother-in-law, trying to find out what the Polish equivalent of Jim is. And they said, there is no Polish equivalent of Jim. I said, I know there is for one reason. They're a Catholic country, any Catholic Christian country. And James was at least an Anglicized name coming out of the Bible. Uh, uh, Apostles, one of the apostles. So all the apostles' names and saints, they have an equivalent. Especially if there's St. James. There's a saint. It's if it's in the Catholic Church, it's in the Catholic Church of Poland, or and the Catholic Church of, of Latvia and stuff like that. And they have an equivalent, and it turned out to be Jakuba uh, or Cuba, Cuba, Cuba. It sounds like Cuba. So Jim, the short name for James in Polish is Cuba. So I can. It's funny. I never mentioned that to a Cuban down here, and there's a lot of Cubans down here. 
So I think I'm going to try that one time. That may be a good idea. I wanted to uh, relate to the listeners here that, you know, we're in a Florida Keys. We're out, and you're probably wherever you are in the world listening to this show. You're going through your own difficulties. And without any perspective, when you listen to other people say it, I mean, everyone's putting out how horrible 2020 was. How horrible it was. So I wanted to relate a, a story that would help help with that. Maybe. Maybe it'll help with that. Um, seven years ago, I'll tell you a little story. My daughter, who's my stepdaughter, she had just recently lost her father to cancer. And uh, the uh, I moved us all in together in the same house. And uh, I never had any children so it was very uh, easy for me to accept Sky as my daughter you know she didn't have a father I was always I was already in her life for about five years and I, I loved her very much I loved her mother very much uh, but I knew I at the you know I knew she had a father already and I was just going to be someone else to care for her. but then when her father passed away I realized that uh, I needed to fill a role, and I still, uh, I do, I still realize she had a father, and I'm her stepfather. But I just say, listen, you're it to me. You're my my daughter. So whatever you decide to think about me, just know I love you, and that's it. So I'd spend a lot of time uh, with Sky at the when I come home from work, if I worked in daytime or the two nights, I, two or three nights I have off during the week, depending when we go. And when she's seven years old, and still do to this day, we during COVID we would do this. She's fourteen now. Uh, we go walk our dog Roxy in the uh, neighborhood. We just walk around. It's beautiful down here. There's a lot to see. A lot of birds. Every so often you see iguanas and stuff like that. We haven't seen any crocodiles while we're out, but we always look for them in the canals and stuff like that. But it's just fun to, to do that in our neighborhood and. There was this tree went back, this big, big old tree. And I pointed out that there was a bottle of, you know, look at this tree. There's a bottle of Gatorades in there. It looks full. And Sky said, that's the giving tree. I think there was a, a story about the giving tree. But she said uh, that um, she it's, it's, it gives you things. If you ask for it, it'll give you things. And I told her that maybe it wasn't a good idea to drink a Gatorade that was sitting in a, in a tree in the neighborhood. but And she didn't. But I thought that was a nice sentiment that there was a, a tree there. And I was touched by that as a seven-year-old that, you know, they would think something like that. They would be, um, she did, she, she did pray. She, she, I don't know if she does that today, but her mom takes her to church and things like that. And I'm very proud of the way she's, uh, She's been as a little girl, and as she's growing up, and she said, "You know, if you ever want anything, all you have to do is ask the giving tree." And I told her I already had everything I wanted, everything I thought I, I didn't know I wanted at the time. You know, I have a family, and I was very fortunate in that part of my life to come across, a, um, just have end up having a family when I have to this day. 
And it's easy to become negative in 2020 when you think about the world. There's a, you know, all the horrible things still going on. There's civil wars, there's famine, there's horrible um, weather catastrophes that occur, flooding, hurricanes, earthquakes, fires. Uh, and the news media, that's just what it does. Because think about it. If, if it was all good news, who would, I mean, it would be nice to turn it into good news channel, just hear the good news. But you have to hear, you have to hear about the forest fires. You got to say, well, there's a forest fire, you know, you, it's raging over 10%. You got to be available to evacuate. People have to know they donate their resources and things like that and how to attack it. Same thing as civil war. You know, you have to know certain things and some, you just don't have to dwell on them and don't have to take it to heart. And it, with COVID-19 and the lockdown, people just was overbearing where everyone in the world is touched by it, much like uh, World War II. Because World War II raged on almost all the continents of the world. You know, there were some places where there was uh, neutral countries, but they still knew that the war was going on. They knew millions of people were dying. And there were, you know, there were belligerents going at it and stuff like that. And and there obviously was a good side and a bad side. We know that. We know the Axis powers were uh, the the best. And that's mostly unequivocal. If you would want to debate that, then uh, you, once again, I think you're listening to the wrong podcast. If you want to debate whether the Axis was the bad ones and the Allies were the good ones, then, yeah, I think maybe... You, you need to move on to another place. Hopefully, you'll see through this. But since the inception of COVID-19, we have had, um, you just think about it, just overbearing, just things to it. Now we have a light at the end of the tunnel. We have the Pfizer and the Moderna and these vaccines coming out, and they're planning how to do it, and they're saying who's going to get it first and things like that, and people are tired of the restrictions. But it's blossoming in the United States because people are ignoring reasonable restrictions like wearing a mask just wearing a mask to protect people and maintaining social distancing so even though the death rate has dropped because they know how to treat it the magnitude of the infected causes even with the smaller percentage hasn't caused a, a large increase in people being hospitalized and a lot of people dying and things like that and it's Hard to do that right now with people being so reactionary. So there's that sadness. The the people, the sadness of the, the the people that think it's a hoax, they're sad. They're pissed off. They're pissed off. Their their guy lost the thing. But at the exception, think of it. Take yourself back to March and April. Uh, the the panic buying, the hoarding. Uh, toilet paper, paper towels, tissues, food, the closing of the restaurants, the closing of the bars, people not seeing their friends anymore, schools closing down, uh, people working from home, people losing their jobs. A lot of people lost their jobs. And a lot of people are economically hurt. And uh, they were deeply affected. A lot of people, I mean, they, it's incredible. And you could focus on those things. But Allow me for a moment to take on this particular topic here, and we're going to talk about one other one. Think about the explosion 
of giving the food banks to people that do Meals on Wheels the donations of food, clothing people going on uh, they talk about social media and stuff like that I myself who've had an ongoing tribulation or toil with trying to get this procedure done before it gets to be really serious I can dwell on that but I can also dwell on I did I I, I mean I went uh, in order to be able to make get the procedure and skirt you know get it done I I've had had a medical fundraiser and people were very generous and I'm very grateful for that I just want to get it taken care of so it doesn't get too serious because it's already seven months but I'm grateful for the outpouring of it I see that and I see the people that are volunteering to do food to, to help out the unemployed um, the restaurant there's a, a couple restaurant associations who are helping out restaurant employees because they were deeply affected service employees were affected um, there were a lot of people that were able to make the adaptation to working from home but then there was a lot of people that couldn't you know, the lower end, there's very, in a manufacturing job, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to do your job remotely. You know, if you're a software engineer or you're a medical transcriber or a legal transcriber, yeah, no problem. There's tons of other engineers, architects, uh, teachers things to do psychologists you can only you, you can do them whether they're more effective in person or online you could debate that later but there's a lot of people that are effective but you can think about the outpouring the help people are willing to do and, and the caring people have so on another uh, thing I did mention earlier there's a group of people out there that deny the severity of the epidemic and uh, they may poo-poo the idea that it was this serious, that the people that died had underlying conditions or were going to die anyway. And they're uh, rehashing stories about how the hospitals and doctors get more money if they report something as COVID-19, and that's a declarative falsehood. They don't get more money for that. Hospitals don't. And a matter of fact, hospitals lose a lot of money because a lot of elective surgeries don't get in. I think my surgery was getting lumped in with some elective surgeries. Mine is not elective. It's not something, it's not a cosmetic thing. It's going to cosmetically affect me, but it's not a cosmetic surgery. It's a move of a tumor. But I, I can choose to wallow in that and wallow in the thing of people are demanding their rights to be able not to have to wear a mask. Be demanding, I see, remember when the protesters were going to shut down. I need to go and see my hairdresser. I want to get a pedicure. I want to go to a restaurant and eat and things like that. And, yeah, there's people that were hurting in restaurants. And they were, oh, it's hard to decide. Like, you work in a restaurant. I work in a restaurant. I realize, I realize the severity of it. I made the choice to work in a restaurant. Yes. So I went in. Damn the torpedoes full speed ahead because I needed money to to feed my family and maintain housing and, and clothing and, and insurance for them. 
So, I mean, that's something I have to do. It was a, a choice. I'm glad to do it. And I, I'm able to uh, go in there, see the need. I realize it's a risk and things like that. But what am I going to do? Um, wouldn't my family be better off if I didn't work? No, they would not. So you can think of all the negativity of shutting down and do it. But they were trying to do what they were trying to do What is mitigate it and reduce it. And there's people out there actively even though they don't believe it, they're unbeknownst to them, they're exasperating the problem by making it uh, worse by not social distancing, not wearing a mask and things like that. And you can dwell on that. You can dwell on the numbers getting huge and stuff like that. You can dwell on the healthcare workers coming under stress with the hospitals filling up. But then you can think about if you want something to warm your hearts. Think of all the dedicated professionals, healthcare professionals out there that are working in ICU, that are working to the breaking point, that are giving their all, that are uh, living in RVs out in the driveways outside their houses, in little hotel rooms, keeping separate from their family, isolating. Um, In a couple weeks, yes, they're going to have, they're going to give them a vaccine, which Yes, healthcare, frontline workers, first responders, they have to get that stuff. But they show you that there are people out there that are willing to do those things. There's retail workers who stock the shelves and um, make sure we have food and sundry items and all the things that we need to survive. There's workers, there's there's um, police officers, there's firemen, there's teachers still doing their jobs, showing up. Uh, at school, realizing that, yeah, that a lot of people don't have the luxury of staying home with their kids when it's, uh, you know, if, you, if, if you're working and you're, let's say you're a single parent, or just say both parents have to work in order to maintain their, uh, just being able to pay rent and buy food and clothing and stuff like that, they have to work. If, if there's no, I mean, if there's no safety net, there's no option for them to stay home with their children. You know, and their jobs may not be there. When you shut that down, you shut down conference. And, but so there's teachers that go in because they, they weigh that idea and they say, listen, if the kids, the, the kids are school during the, during the school year, they don't have to provide child care for their child. You know, it's just, there's all these things, people doing things out there, and it's not just for, um, it's not self-centered. And we've seen people like that. We've seen that. I've seen it personally. I've seen what my, I'm, I'm very thankful for my family supporting me, my community supporting me. Uh, but just, just try to remember that it's not all bad news. And this may happen again, but we also, this is a trial run for it. We've seen it. And hopefully we'll be able to, next time we'll be able to do it. It's just like after Irma here in 2017, that people, you know, after Irma, you know, a lot of, some people stayed and they, they, they regretted that they stayed. It was scary for them, you know. And whenever there's a tropical storm, they're, they're being more reflective upon it. But after a while, people forget 
how bad the times were. It's like after World War One, it was only, gosh, 20 years later, World War Two, and people think it was what? How many people died in World War One? Millions, 20, 30, 40 million people died, and and then World War Two was dwarfed the amount of dead and they they still did it again. People have short memories. But then they forget right after World War II what happened. The United Nations, they decided, listen, we're going to try to uh, do something where we get the community of nations talking to each other. And you can dwell on it. Yeah, there were power blocks in the UN, a mouthpiece for the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union got like 12 votes to the US won. Right? But you know, that's you know, people have a tendency they when they get bad news, they everything's bad. And if they get good news, they balance it with the bad. So but balanced that that's a tendency. So when you get good news, people have tendency news and all that stuff say, Hey, it's not all that that's good. So they'll focus on it. And when you get the bad news, no one's gonna come they when you, so I know it's kinda confusing. People have a tendency when there's bad news, they just stay with the bad news and don't go with the good news. And that's what you hear saying, I got good news, I got bad news. Tell me the bad news first. Right? And you hear the bad news. Instead of the good news is that we're we're gonna weather this and we're gonna get through it. We're gonna be on the other side, we're gonna be stronger for it. Um and we're gonna be ready for the next time, hopefully. We were we're better for it because we record the procedures we do. And the things we did to mitigate it. And we'll be able to study that. Yes, we'll be able to study what mitigated, what countries were more effective. And people can adopt those practices in order to reduce the pain and suffering on a population. So let's go to something lighter now. And I did, well, I think it was lighter anyway. Uh, We have uh, just gotten uh, from an anonymous source some excerpts from Melania Trump's memoirs while she was in the White House. And uh, rumor has it that it wasn't totally copied from Michelle Obama's memoirs, which I was shocked because we know that Melania likes to use uh, Michelle's speeches. But uh, and here we got one. It's I, I, I'm pretty sure this is all Melania. And in the future, I'm going to try to, I, I do want to get someone with a much better female Eastern European accent. But here it is. This is um, a ruminative, a ruminative. I guess that's ruminative when you're remembering something. Uh, this is Melania. One night, as I hide under bed in Lincoln bedroom. And then in pots and little brackets, she puts, I feared that big orange Oompa Loompa might seek happy time with me. That's why she hid in her. Okay. I had a dream while I fell asleep that the pussy grabber in chief was the host of Wheel and Fortune. And Ivanka was moving the letters. And the contestants were uh, Don Jr., Weaselface, that's Eric, and a very familiar young woman, who later I learned was Tiffany, were 
right at the end of the show, and Eric is up to solve puzzle. And the puzzle has W-H-I-T-E H-O blank S-E So he goes, thinks for a moment and says white hose and the money disappears. Fade to black. Not unusual for Eric. Okay, that, that was an excerpt from Melania's upcoming memoir of her time in the White House, Be Best. Be Best is the title. Well, I know it's only been 32 minutes and things like that, but you know what? Sometimes short and sweet is the answer. I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, we are in the thick of it now in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And remember, try to stay strong. This is what I do. And I'm, yeah, I may take a couple more minutes. It's very easy. If you are susceptible to depression, try not to listen or watch things that are depressing. If it's entertaining to you and you're uplifted, if you can look at a, a movie or read a book and you could be uplifted by the qualities in it, by how it was crafted, and appreciate the art and the emotion, go ahead. But be careful watching things that depress you and things like that. And even the most positive things can be depressing if you focus on on the lack in your life. If you see something and they say they have a family, they have friends, and I'm by myself, maybe not do something. Do something to enrich yourself. Do something that makes you positive. If, if you're, you know, even though sometimes illness or quarantine can keep it at home, you still have outlets on social media, you have family and friends, you have, and if you listen to podcasts, so you have the wherewithal to do it, do something that connects you to other people. Do things that uh, make you more optimistic at the end of it. If you feel flat and negative after it, try to eschew those things, avoid those things. Uh, if, if you find yourself drinking too much, try to cut back on that. It's a depressant. It's not going to help you. Now, if it's working for you, it's working for you. I'm not going to deny that. It didn't work for me because I was a mess. But I wish you most in this holiday season, whether you believe in this stuff or not, the way I view it is uh, this is a season of giving. Uh, Even if you go to the fundamental beginnings of it, the religious part, it, it is about giving. It's about sacrifice. And, and the, the life of the person they're celebrating is uh, about sacrifice and service. So that would be help. So just think about giving and, and being grateful. And if you don't have anything grateful to be, do something that moves you from that depression. And then you can be grateful for that. I'm not asking you to be grateful to me. Try to prize that among yourself. It's the, it's a, sometimes the darkest moments and the, and the 
worst moments are great and you can look back on them because it gives you an opportunity because once you hit bottom in anything you only have one direction some people say you can go out you could just leave but no you don't you can go up they're always up from that and we are resilient people humans are resilient so practice that I want to talk about that next time I want to talk about resilience and and, and things like that and, and things that we can do to make her happy I, I do bounce I have a strong sense of anxiety and uh, not so much depression because I have I, I'm fortunate that way but it, anxiety which is you know and I had to figure out what things are contributing to my anxiety it could be something you know with too much caffeine not eating doing all these things but once I figure out how to do those things and one of these things is podcasting uh, it helps me and you know sometimes reaching out and helping someone else when you can without anything in return it's the best tonic for anxiety and depression. And a lot of people uh, I know from the program I belong to say, move a muscle and change a thought. If the thought's bad, do something. Do something to change that. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't take too long to make it a habit. And you can, you can always form a good habit. Who knows? And from the worst times in life, you, you're definitely gonna, you can definitely thrive. I truly believe that. I'm better than I was yesterday, and tomorrow I believe better. It's going to be better th- uh, than today. Uh, if you are a li- listener, thank you. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. Um, share it on media. Follow us on Facebook. If you want to message me, just send me a. Uh, an email jim at keysbartender.com if you forget that go to keysbartender.com and there's a messaging center there for me uh um, right now i can answer everyone well everyone to listen everyone that has so if you need to reach out you feel lonely during the holiday season right now because there aren't a lot of people i'm going to uh I will try to answer everyone. And uh, I will at least send a word back. And uh, please reach out. Please reach out. Don't stay. Uh, you know, don't be desperately depressed or anxious. Because there are answers out there. We don't, I don't necessarily know all the answers. But, uh, you know, reaching out to someone is certainly a first step. Uh, well, this is Jim McKee's bartender, and I'll come back. I know I talked a little longer than I thought I would, but that's it. Have a great day. It's a beautiful day out here, and I hope it's a beautiful day where you are.